0: It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host Evan Roberts. Hi, right, everybody! Welcome to uh, Rico Bronya. We're all pissed. We're all in a bad mood. We're all angry. Maybe we're angry at Jacob DeGrom. Maybe we're angry at the inept offense. Maybe we're angry at Francisco Alvarez. Maybe we're angry with Buck Showalter. But I think we could all agree we're pissed off and we're angry. The Mets lose the opener of this series to the Atlanta Braves. And look, let's start with Jake. Jacob deGrom should be and is held to a very high standard. He is the best pitcher in baseball. He has been the best pitcher in baseball. So when you go six innings and you allow three runs, three solo home runs, I don't really give a rat's ass. You give up three runs and you give up two of those runs seconds, if I'm being more accurate, minutes after your team gives you a lead, that's not good enough. It's, it's just, it's simple. It wasn't good enough. And Jacob DeGrom, I love him, right? I'm the fanboy. I'm the one getting DMs all night. DeGrom sucks. You're a schmuck. Don't give him money. First of all, can we not talk about his free agency? There is a lot to be written before we really have to break down his free agency. But Jacob DeGrom wasn't good enough tonight. And let's start there, because when you're in the postseason and you're facing top-line starting pitchers, even though this one left after five because he was feeling ill, when you're facing top-line starting pitchers, you're going to have to out them. So we could rest back and rip this offense, and I will, but come October, and this was a preview of October, you're facing top-line starting pitchers. You need your ace to be better than their ace. And he wasn't good enough. So I think we could all agree on that. That doesn't mean he sucks. That doesn't mean he's a bum. That doesn't mean let the guy leave. Opt out, you douche. That, two things can be true at the same time. You can say, hey, he's a hell of a pitcher. But you could also say in game one of this series, with a chance to set the tone, he came up small. Because he came up small. I don't care how many strikeouts he had. I don't care how many guys got on base. None of it matters. The only numbers that matter are how many innings did you pitch and how many runs did you give up. That's it. He gave up three runs in six innings, and that's not good enough. And here's my pet peeve. I've always had it. It's why I'm bitter against Tom Glavine. A lot of people are bitter against Tom Glavin because of game 162 in 2007. That's not my bitterness. He sucked. I was disappointed in that. I was mad at him. But here's where I'm really mad at Tom Glavin. In game five of the National League Championship Series in 2006, the Mets gave Tom Glavin a 2-0 lead in the fourth inning. Now, remember, The series is tied at two. You've got your ace on the mound because he basically was with Pedro Martinez and El Duque in the infirmary. And Tom Glavin was handed a two nothing lead in the top of the fourth inning on the road. And it took him 30 seconds before Albert Pujols, who's still around, hit a home run against him. And then he gave up another run. And then the next inning, he gave up the lead completely. And I'm still bitter about that. Because you need shut-down innings. When your offense gives you runs and you're a big-time pitcher, the following inning you shut them down. Jacob deGrom did not waste any freaking time before Austin Riley parked one into dead center field. And he didn't waste any time after he fell behind Matt Olson 3-1 and one before he gave him a cookie right down the middle and Matt Olson hit the crap out of it. That's all right after the Mets were gifted a run in the top of the second inning. Because they had no business scoring a run in that inning. You've got Eddie Rosario playing left field like he's Todd Hundley because he can't look through the lights. And then dropping the little blooper Guillerme hit in which they somehow gave him a hit. God bless Luis Guillerme. And Jacob DeGrom failed because after he was given a lead, it took him 30 seconds to give it back. And yeah, the offense did nothing against Max Fried. We'll rip the offense. We'll also rip Buck Showalter. Don't worry. We'll get to everybody, but the lead, whether you like it or not, or you think it's fair or not, is Jacob DeGrom because he wasn't good enough. When you What's that phrase? Heavy is the crown who wears it or whatever the hell that stupid thing is. Jacob DeGrom wears the crown. Jacob DeGrom is the ace. Jacob DeGrom's the guy who's the best pitcher in baseball. And tonight, Friday night, depending on when you're listening to this, he came up small. Now you can light that on fire and go to the extremes and say, let him opt out. He can go F himself. You can do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call him out for what happened. And look, his last two outings haven't been good enough, but Jacob deGrom's story isn't written yet because he's going to pitch in the playoffs and who knows, maybe he will be good enough or maybe he won't be. Now, let's get to him coming out of the game early. It was revealed after the game that he came out early because he had a blister. That doesn't help Jacob DeGrom right now because most Met fans are going to hear that and say, what a wimp. Meanwhile, the ace of the Atlanta Braves didn't feel well and came out after five innings. Now, they won, so when you win, everything's okay, but could you imagine if – Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom came out after five brilliant innings because he didn't feel well. Now, I hope Max Fried's okay. I don't want to hear that this is something incredibly serious because then I'll feel like a douche. But let's just be fair. The ace of the Braves came out after five because he wasn't feeling well. The blister thing, look, what are we going to make of it? I wanted Jake to pitch the seventh inning. We all did. When Jacob DeGrom is thrown 86 pitches, and yes, he's given up a bunch of solo home runs, and there's a chance he gives up another one in the seventh, you still look at him and say, hey, and I certainly felt this way, he gives me the best chance to pitch a scoreless seventh. So I was disappointed. Now, none of us knew it was a blister. Is that going to make any of us feel better? Not really, because it's always something. That's the problem. It's always something. Now, hopefully that blister goes away and Jacob DeGrom's ready to start his first playoff game. Hopefully not in the wild card series, but in the divisional series. But let's get to Buck. Okay, Jake comes out after six. It turned out to be a blister. We thought, ah, Jake can only throw 88 pitches or 86 pitches. Why are you going to Tyler and McGill? A week ago, I understood it. Two days ago, I understood it. Two weeks ago, I understood it. It's an audition, and I've mentioned that. Hey, you're auditioning, Tyler McGill. You're auditioning, David Peterson. You're auditioning, Drew Smith. You are playing the Atlanta effing Braves. You are playing for the National League Eastern Division Championship. You have a well-rested bullpen. And if I was going to rank all the guys in this bullpen right now, I could make a very good argument. Tyler McGill is last. And Buck Showalter went to him. Why? Are we still doing auditions, Buck? I get the Mets are going to be in the playoffs either way. I get that. They don't need to sweep the series, really. It's win two out of three. Even if they win one, destiny's in their own hands. I get all that. But can you give us something better than Tyler McGill, who's been bad as a reliever? And he's not going to be on the postseason roster. Let's save everybody's time. Of course he's not going to be. Because he sucks since he's come back. And Darling and Gary are right. We expected Tyler McGill out of the bullpen to throw gas, to throw 100, 101. He's not throwing that hard. And again, before you could get comfortable in the seventh inning, he's given up a base hit to Matt Olsen. He's given up a double to Travis Darno. He does get a couple of outs and the sacrifice fly, but then he gives up the double to Arcia when he, he could have gotten through the inning, only giving up a run, still wouldn't have been happy, Why are we going to him? Oh, I'm sorry. I was told I can't criticize Buck Showalter because the Mets are 40 games above 500. I'm sorry. I'm being very rude. I'm sorry, Buck. Kiss my ass. That was a bad move. No Met fan liked it. We're done with Tyler McGill. See you later. I didn't even love him going to Trevor May, but I'll own it. Trevor May came in and got the job done. I'll give him credit. I'll always be honest with what I thought at the moment. What I thought at the moment is you can't go to Tyler McGill. And what I thought at the moment when Trevor May came in is Acuna is going to hit one of freaking Tallahassee. But he didn't. Good job by Trevor May. The problem is you're down five to one. He does use Joelly Rodriguez and to Joellys credit against the heart of the order. He got the job done. But we saw Buck Showalter in a pretty big game use his worst relievers. That's what he did. He has a bullpen right now that features nine guys, ten guys, when you count them all together. And he went to the bottom of the list and said, I'll use these guys. I know you've got six straight games. They all may be really important. I get that. Can you try to keep the first game close? Because, hey, look, one thing about the Mets and their DNA is they've shown an ability to fight back. So when you're down in this game 3-1, to when you're down in this game 4-1, to While it felt over, it's not over-over. So do what you can to keep the game close. Buck didn't do that today. Okay? He failed us. Jake failed us. Buck failed us. But the offense really failed us. And we're getting way too used to this. We saw it in the two games against Miami until they woke up late in game two, and we certainly saw it tonight. Their offense did nothing. And I could live because I mentioned this earlier. When you're facing an ace, and Max Freed is an absolute legitimate ace in Major League Baseball, even though that word has become like no one knows what an ace is anymore. I'm getting DMs. Jacob Degrom isn't an ace, so I don't know who an ace is. There aren't many aces in baseball. I think Max Freed's proven he is. I do. Whether it's in the postseason, whether it's what he's done this season with a two and a half ERA, whether it's his career numbers, Max Freed's an ace. So I understand. That when it's ace versus ace, you may lose two to one. You may lose three to one, and you may have to, as frustrating as it is, tip your hat to the opponent. You may have to do that. But the Mets were given a gift because after five innings, Max Fried, who had retired 10 in a row after the Guillerme gift of a base hit, wasn't feeling well. And again, I hope Max is okay, but he wasn't feeling well. So the Mets were able to get to the Brave bullpen. And I get the Braves have a very good bullpen. But you're facing Colin McHugh, top of the order. You do nothing. You're facing Rossiel Iglesias. You get a two-out double. And overall, you do nothing. Yes, you get a run against A.J. Minter. And we'll get to the ninth inning. They rallied. They made it interesting against Kenley Jansen. But here are the facts. The New York Mets scored two runs against the Braves in this game one of which was a gift because Eddie Rosario can't catch a fly ball on the lights and he drops a ball that Guillerme hits. And the other run is on a Tomas Nito home run and Buck play him every day. Tomas Nito should catch every day. The rest of the season, he's actually showing a pulse offensively. He's better defensively than McCann, but I think Buck realizes it because I think Nito has started like eight of the last 11 games. I know sometimes we don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough. He has become the the most-of-the-time catcher for this team. But the offense didn't do anything. Francisco Lindor took an offer. Pete Alonzo, after that first-inning single, took an offer, including a double play in the sixth inning. That was a kick in the balls after Nimmo had the infield hit. So, Brandon Nimmo did next to nothing. Pete Alonzo did nothing. Francisco Lindor did nothing. Mark Canna, besides being hit by a pitch, what else is new? Did nothing. Very tough to score runs when the first four hitters in your lineup do nothing. And they did nothing. Uh, What I thought was interesting and I liked, see, I'm honest, was I did like, even though it didn't work, Bucks sticking with Francisco Alvarez twice against right-handed pitchers. I did. First, he did it against Iglesias in the seventh inning after the Escobar double. He could have very easily gone to Daniel Vogel back. It made sense. He said, you know what? This kid's had two major league at-bats. Let me let him face a righty. Didn't work, but I liked it. And I have to admit, in the ninth inning, he again gave him an opportunity. Bases loaded one out after Jansen had issued the walk to Escobar, and he looked completely overmatched. There's There's no denying that. But I liked it. I admit that. And I think a part of that is, let's see what the kids got. I think the other part of it is, Daniel Vogelbach is not exactly in, you know, instilling confidence in any of us. If Vogelbach had been hitting more recently, and Jansen's also really tough against lefties, I would factor that in. Maybe my view would be different, but I had no problem with that. I didn't. I want to be fair. I had a problem with Tyler McGill in the seventh inning. I had a problem with the Grom coming out of the game, even though we later realized it's a blister. I did not have a problem with giving the kid a chance to hit. But I think he was also thinking ahead. If Tomas Nito, despite the home run in the eighth, had come up in the ninth, then he was going to use Daniel Vogelbach. Then he would have used that chip. They don't have a lot of great chips on their bench right now. So I think if you're Buck, you got to be judicious about when you use them. And I think that's a part of the thinking. I think he realizes if I use Vogelbach in the seventh, there's a chance. You never know how this game's going to play out. Vogelbach may see a lefty later in this game. And then what do I do? Who am I using? So I think a part of sticking with this lineup was, yeah, give the kid a chance. Why not? But I think the other part is I'm thinking long-term. I'm thinking ahead. I don't have that many bullets to use. When should I use my bullets? And look, we all wanted Alvarez up here. It's only one game. He had his moment. He had his chance, especially with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. He looked completely overmatched. I will give you a positive. They made Kenley Jansen throw a lot of pitches. <laughs> so if Jansen needs to be used again, and God hoping he doesn't in game two of this series, because hopefully the Mets have a lead, you did force the Braves to use their closer and have him throw a lot of pitches. A.J. Minter had to throw a handful of pitches. Iglesias didn't throw many pitches, but the Braves were forced to use their top line guys. I mean, it's a small positive because the truth is this sucks. I think the hope is when you have the best pitcher, quote unquote, in baseball, you're going to win game one. You're also hoping, well, eventually these bats are going to wake up and it never happened. Look, I'm glad they rallied in the ninth inning, even though it was a gift hit by pitch by Canna. McNeil had a clean single and Escobar, who was so locked in, give him credit. He had two more hits in this game. He draws a walk, which was a really good walk against Jansen in the ninth inning. The Mets at least set things up. Problem is, they set it up for Alvarez and Naquin, and they both couldn't come through. Naquin, I'll tell you this about the Naquin at bat, and it's not just being negative. Tyler Naquin had the weakest nine-pitch at-bat or eight-pitch at-bat, whatever it turned out to be, you'll ever see. The contact he made was so lucky. There was never for a moment where I said, oh, yeah, he's going to get that cookie and he's going to hit it. No, 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 no. You knew the strikeout was inevitable. You knew it. He's barely tipping pitches. He's check-swinging. He's hitting weak pop-ups that somehow find the first row. And, And look, he had to use them. I was thinking for a second, would I pinch it Vogel back for Naquin? And you really couldn't. Position-wise, what are you going to do? It's a part of how I guess you could have eventually just used Terrence Gore, but then you have Nito coming up. You're really not going to then pinch it for Nito. So you were sort of forced to give Tyler Naquin that opportunity. But look, this sucked, man. Uh, The good news is we knew going into this series, win a game, that's it, and at least you control your future. But it still sucks to lose to this team. It sucks to lose to these guys. It sucks to hear these fans with their dopey, constipated, tomahawk-chop chant. Everything about playing the Atlanta Braves blows. And yeah, for those of us old enough, it sort of felt like the late 90s all over again. I know it's a different stadium, and obviously all the players are different. I mean, freaking Alvarez wasn't even born yet when the Mets were playing the Braves in the late 90s. But it just had that feel. Now, here's the good news. Max Scherzer's on the mound in game two. And I am not going to argue with anybody who wants to tweet at me or say, Max Scherzer's the ace and I trust him the most. You know what? Based on this season, and that's all we can look at, why wouldn't you trust Max Scherzer the most? How can you not? The guy's three for three against the Atlanta Braves this season. The guy has come up big in big moments. He's also statistically having a great season. I mean, we can't ignore that. He's having one of his best statistical seasons of his career. Unfortunately, he's missed time, so he's not going to put up the 30-plus starts. And I know we've said this before about him, and I gave that lame story about Paul Pierce in the playoffs against the Raptors, but I'll use the phrase, this is why he's here. He's here." because he's a legitimate future Hall of Famer who has seen so many big games in his career, he's forgotten half of them. And look, in Max's mind, I'm sure he looks at this as a big game, but laughs and says, yeah, I've started World Series games, bro. Big? Eh, Okay, I guess a little bit. So I trust him. Do I trust the bats? It's tough to trust the bats. I know what they've done statistically this season. We all do. No one's suggesting this is a bad offensive team. But right now, do you trust the bats? That's the question. I'm not asking for what they've done through 158 games. We know what they've done. They've won 98 games, and they're scoring 4.7 runs per game. We get it. We get it. Do I trust them in game two of this series against Kyle Wright? Do I? Do you? It's tough to, I'm sorry. It's tough to right now, but here's the thing. Like I said, at the top, sometimes you've just got to out guys. Sometimes you just have to go out there and be the best freaking pitcher out there. Max Scherzer needs to do that because look, the Mets cannot leave Atlanta without a win. They can't. First of all, they do that. The division race is over. And second of all, what a buzzkill to this entire season. You've got to find a way to win a freaking game, and the game they have to win is with Max Scherzer on the mound in Game Two. Do I start Francisco Alvarez in Game Two? Probably not. I'm just being honest with you. I know Vogelback hasn't been great, and I'm not burying Francisco after one game. I'm not doing that. But you're asking me who would I put out there in Game Two? I'd probably go back to Vogelback. I may be in the minority on this. That's fine. I understand. I see the other side. Let's ride him again, game two. We all loved his hustle on that second at-bat when he had a ground ball to first base and Max Fried's kind of loudly getting over and Alvarez is busting it down the line. He almost beats it. That was great. That was awesome. But I think I'd go back to Vogel back in game two. I would totally stick with Tomas Nito. I mean, geez, how much more does this guy have to show? Now, I also respect Scherzer enough where if Max Scherzer and I can't imagine he would feel this way prefers James McCann okay fine but does he can he is it possible probably not but what this team needs to do is find a way to win game 2 find a way to scratch out I don't know four or five runs against this brave pitching expect Max to go deep in this game outavino's fresh diaz is fresh and win The effing game. And let's face it, bail out DeGrom. Because this is not a debate over his career or his legacy or even free agency. It's simply he wasn't good enough in the first game of this series. And Max Scherzer, expectations are high. Jacob DeGrom, expectations are high. Look, here's the reality. If Chris Bassett throws six innings, allows three runs, strikes out 11 guys, there's a good chance we look at that and say, hey, that's a quality outing by Chris Bassett. Jacob DeGrom is not Chris Bassett. If Carlos Carrasco goes out and pitches six innings, three runs, okay, not bad. Taiwan Walker, not bad. It ain't good enough when it comes to DeGrom. And it's not good enough when it comes to Max Scherzer. That's why. What do I expect from Scherzer in game two? Seven or eight innings, two runs or less. That's the expectation. You're an ace. You're one of the best pitchers in baseball. He better not be out by Kyle Wright. Can't happen. And it won't happen. I'm going to give you a little confidence. i to give my fellow Met fan a nice little back massage. I believe in this team. I believe in Max Scherzer. But sometimes they make it freaking tough to believe in this team. Because this was three hours of pain. Three hours of frustration. And, and explain this one to me. I know I'm a fan of Jacob DeGrom and he's my favorite player and I've defended him, but I think I call it out when he isn't good enough. So why are my DMS filled in the second inning with F you and F DeGrom? Like I'm throwing the freaking ball and med fans. Can we calm down about what I would do in free agency? I don't want to worry about free agency. Do you? You know, when we worry about free agency, when our season ends and hopefully our season doesn't end for a while, but I get, I get it. I, I'm the DeGrom, uh, spokesperson, apparently. And as much as I love the guy, did I not blast him for what happened against the A's and said, say he sucked. It's not like I came on the Rico or Cardin Roberts and said, well, you know, guys, he actually went, I didn't do any of that. When the guy sucks, he sucks. I don't go to the extremes of my man, Joe B. But that doesn't mean I'm defending him. When he's not good, I rip him. And I've always said, when the big games are there, I'm going to expect more, and I'm going to expect him to go deeper into the game. Now, the deeper excuse is the blister. All right, I don't love it. None of us love it. But yes, the Grom wasn't good enough. You want to hear me say it again? The Grom wasn't good enough. What I'm not going to say is DeGrom sucks. He's a piece of crap, and I hope he opts out and leaves. Because half of my DMs said that. I hope he leaves. Tell him to go F himself. I'm like, what? 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 what, what do you think I have his cell phone number? you think I'm going to text him and say, hey, Jake, by the way, you know, you suck of him. What is wrong with you people? Were they all Joe Peningo burner? accounts? <laughs> but Joe, <laughs> here's the beauty of Joe. And you'll hear it uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Joe's going to do the Saturday show. I'm off. So he'll have free reign to say whatever he wants about DeGrom. Joe doesn't mind being wrong. And Joe will be the first to tell you if DeGrom has a Bumgarner postseason run. Bro, I got to tell you, guy stepped up. I love the guy. Pay him his money. Joe reacts. And lately, the reaction is fair to Rip DeGrom. It is. It's absolutely fair. Maybe not to the point of saying he sucks and he should opt out and leave. Maybe that part's not fair, but saying he wasn't good enough is completely fair. Now, I don't want, and I hear the other side. You got, don't rip DeGrom. The offense was the problem. Six innings, three runs is great. Or side his strikeouts. I got to tell you this right now. I don't care how many guys Jacob DeGrom strikes out. I really don't. I'm sorry. You know, maybe in June. When he's on my fantasy team, I, maybe I care a little bit more about that. When you're talking about games like this, how many runs did he give up? That's it. That's all that matters. How many runs did he give Oh, he gave up three? That's not good enough. How's your confidence, Pete? Are you beating up?
1: I Man, I'm happy. Uh, beating up is a uh, – can't be beaten up because I said it's going to go down to 162, so I expect this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, you know, it It sucks. We can't have nice things. We can't pop the champagne early. But here's the positive, and I'm looking at it from a very odd way. The Grom is not ready for the playoffs yet, so he gets at least one more start before the playoffs.
0: That's the best outlook I can get. <laughs> Assuming his <laughs> blister goes down and he's able to pitch game 162. Look, the, the positive is this. Here are the two positives going into game two. And we'll probably do another – instant reaction emergency pot after game two. I'm not going to lie to you. We'll probably do one after every brave game, game two, and then the series. Um, Max Scherzer has earned our trust. Now that doesn't mean he can't have a clunker in game two. It's certainly possible. You could argue he's due for one, considering how good he's been off the IL and certainly considering how good he's been against Atlanta, but Max Scherzer has earned our trust and this team as a whole has earned our trust. And look at the bare minimum. To maintain control of this division, it's winning a game. That's what it is. It's winning a game. I wanted to sweep them. Of course I did. I want to win two out of three. I still hope for that. But you have to get out of here with a win. And then you go back to City Field with control. And by the way, I, you know what? I didn't want to say this. I was going to say something about the Marlins and how a part of me thinks they could actually beat the Braves once over three games, but, but the truth is it ain't worth getting into because I don't want to think about Marlins Braves. I don't want to think about Mets and nationals. Not at least yet. I don't eventually we may have to, but not yet. So look, go out and win game two. By the way, do you agree with me? You'd go to Vogel back, at DH. Or would you actually give Alvarez a chance against a righty in game two?
1: All right. So here's the thing. I don't, um, I'm 50, 50. I'm torn. I was thinking about this on the car ride home because I did not watch the entire game. I listened to the last two innings on the radio. So be it. Um, I, when they were saying they were subbing Vogel Vol- Vol- back in for Nito, I go, why? And this is now. This is where the it, 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 I I start thinking about it. Why would you bring in Vogel back who can't hit the ball? Nito, like you said, Jansen pitch better pitches better to left-handed batters. Nito gives you almost a better at bat. Why are you going to do that? And I started thinking about, well, what if it was just Francisco Alvarez in that spot, too? Would Vogel back sub in? I go, no, I prefer Alvarez. Now, I didn't see the at-bats tell me how bad did he look. The first pitch, it sounded like he was on it and was upset. The last two, was it really Yeah, bad? he was overwhelmed. Was Jansen- he
0: got, I don't ever think in this game he was overwhelmed. I thought in the last two pitches against Canley Jansen he was. Look, I like Tomas Nito, and he has hit a lot more. He's still not a good hitter. And Vogelback, in theory, against right-handed pitchers, is a good hitter. So in that spot, I would have absolutely gone to Vogelback. It's tough. I think sometimes when you decide who should start a game, lefty versus righty, we make the decisions on, well, Vogelback crushes righties. Alvarez, good against righties, not as good. We also have to look at the other side. Kyle Wright's splits are basically right down the middle. Like, lefties don't have a huge edge on him. Righties don't have a huge disadvantage. If you just look at his numbers this season, it's been an even split. But sometimes we need to look at that just to see. I I, I don't look if they start Alvarez tomorrow. I wouldn't be mad. Like maybe the kid will come out in game two and go three for five. I have no idea. And it's not like I can be that passionate about trusting Daniel Vogelbach considering how mediocre he's been over the last few weeks. Just my natural reaction is, eh, I go back to Vogelbach. That's just my natural feel for it.
1: And I get that. I understand that. Of course, the lefty, a lot of makes more sense. But you broke the kid up for six six days. You know, is that is that good enough for a playoff material? Well, probably not. But you brought him up. You want to see something. And if you know what you're going to get out of Vogel back, which to be fair, recently, is not only does he suck and he's not hitting, he's not even swinging, which is really depressing. What is the point of being a left-handed power hitter if you're going to
0: watch strike well, he's, down the plate. You're looking for a walk, essentially. And he does have a good eye in general. But, yeah, you want him to be a little bit more aggressive. Keep this in mind, though. If Vogelbach starts this game, the Atlanta Braves have three lefties in their bullpen. We saw one of them today or Friday with A.J. Minter. There's a really good chance we'll see Alvarez in this game. Like, he will come off the bench at some point and pinch hit. It could very well be for a Tomas Nito or James McCann. It could very well be for Vogelbach himself. Like the Braves have three lefties in their bullpen. So you're going to see Alvarez again, even if he doesn't start this game. Uh, but boy, they got to win because how tense are we all going to be if we go in a Sunday night with Chris Bassett on the mound down 0-2 knowing they got to win Sunday night because there's extremes here. The extreme is if the Mets lose all three, it's over. Like their only scenario if they lost all three would be to sweep the Nationals and have, I think the Braves lose all three games. Like I think literally they would need to win all three and the Braves would have to be swept by the Marlins, which is incredibly unlikely. So if they get swept, it's over. Like there's no, ah, maybe this happened. No, no, they're done. They have to find a way to win a game. And I think game two of this series, even more than game one, because even though Kyle Wright's won twenty games, Max, Fre- Max Freed's better, especially the Mets struggles against lefties. I I think it's even close. Like the way I view Max Freed versus the way I view Kyle Wright, and yeah, Scherzer's been better and more consistent than the Grom this season. Jake's only made ten starts, eleven starts, and he hasn't been good recently. So yeah, we trust Max more, and yeah, I trust Max more. If you need me, if, if people need to hear me say that, I'll say it right now. I trust Max Scherzer more than Jacob DeGrom. I do.
1: Um, I, I, This is going to be crazy. I trust Chris Bassett more than than DeGrom. And that's crazy to say because we see that he still has a strikeout material, all that other stuff. But but Bassett can go seven, eight innings and give you that game where it's like three runs max. Like DeGrom, I don't know if he can really get seven innings of, of three what runs I max. About, what I wonder
0: about, what I wonder about, is if Jake didn't have this quote-unquote blister, I assume Buck would have let him start the seventh inning. His pitch count was 86. And do we feel really different about this performance if DeGrom pitches a scoreless seventh inning? A little bit. I admit that, a little bit, because it seems like Jake's the opposite of Chris in that one thing I've said about Bassett all year, it feels like he goes one inning more than maybe he can or should. And with Jake sometimes, not always, because sometimes he comes out at the right time, he comes out one inning early. And I think in game one, he came out one inning early. Now, guys got a blister. All right, we're all going to make fun of it and bitch about it. I understand that. I own that. But seven innings would have felt better. And then, oh, yeah, the Braves scored two runs. So maybe they don't score two freaking runs if Jake stays in the game. Either way, I think we'll have another Rico have after game two of this series. And hopefully we'll be in a much better mood. Take a deep breath. It ain't over yet, but we are tied for first place in the National League East. And it feels horrific. It doesn't feel good. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. I'm not on Saturday. So go call Joe and bother him about this. <laughs> We're having a birthday party for my son. I think that's a pretty good excuse, right? Yeah, I think that qualifies. And then we'll react to the game Saturday night. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia.